movie by Rukin! Hey! Hey! Ha-ha! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! It's an, it is a new year, isn't it? it for, it's a for, new year. For us, yeah. this is the last uh, spin-off Doctors we're recording in 2016, but it will be the first Movie Boys slash spin-off Doctors, if you want to use the, the Latin name well, for it. For these people... Yeah, they this is this the the the, the first spin-off doctors of the year is uh, uh you know it's going to change their lives. Uh, for us it will be Tuesday. Ah, uh, that's true on so many levels. Because it, it will be Tuesday <laughs> yeah, when yeah, it goes it, up. Yeah. And, unless I fuck up again. <laughs> and then it will be like Wednesday. Wednesday at 3 in the morning. Uh, but but that's all that, that's all besides the point. Today, if you haven't been able to tell from the clues, is Street Fighter 2 the animated movie, which was released in 1994. It's an anime. Yes. Okay? Yes, it's an, and like an anime, it has been released in various formats in multiple cuts. So, good yes. luck trying to figure out which one we watched. Um, no, I watched the Blu-ray. You watched the Blu-ray. Out. Yeah. Okay. I, I used a, a website um, called YouTube.com mm, uh, because mm-hmm. I left it to the last minute. I don't condone. Is it piracy if it's on YouTube and you're, you just <coughs> happen to watch it? Is it piracy if... Is, is it piracy if it's in a very public place and the copyright owner hasn't gone to do anything about it? See, I don't know. If, if I'm if I watch a man beat another man to death in the street <laughs> with an iron bar, right? Right, right. And I watch it. I'm not a murderer, or or a manslaughterer, depending on the circumstances. Depending on what led to that beating, uh, but I'm not on the hook for that. No. Criminal negligence, maybe. Maybe at worst. Uh, yeah, I can't. I'm just watching it. I, I, I didn't... My fingerprints aren't on the iron bar. I just Wait. watched the... I, I watched the killing. <laughs> slash manslaughtering. I don't want to get in legal trouble. Uh, right, yeah. Depending you, on what the ruling is. <laughs> you know, uh, cover my bases. I don't need another one. So... So, yeah, I watched it in English dub. Yeah. Um, because I'm uh, lazy. I, I did the same... Um, English dub, of course, just meaning lots of run-on sentences and people saying things well besides and then continuing another train of thought in the same breath. Uh, so there's plenty of that. Um, my one is, the, the one I watched, Chun-Li did expose her breasts for our pleasure. Yep. That's yep. normally the big difference because in some cuts they the breasts are excluded for our modesty. So right, I, and I got that. And there are, there are two different... Uh, Blu-rays, I guess. Um, one of them, I think, was only in the UK, and it has a... Like, there are different audio tracks, too. Because there's a PG-13 uh, dub and the unrated dub. Right. So okay, I don't... Let, let, me, let me try and work this out, then. Because even though the breasts were exposed for our pleasure in the version I watched, I swear... When I saw this on VHS back in the 90s, 
Vega says in, in what is one of the best delivered lines in any feature, he talks about how his face got fucked up and he's all, ah, oh, my beautiful face is ruined. And I distinctly remember as a child him going, you bitch, I'll make you suffer! Like that. But hmm. when I watched it this morning, he said, you witch, I'll make you suffer. I called her a witch. Oh. What did you, you know, hear? I do not remember and I'm going to have to go and check now to, to know for sure. Yeah, cause because I'm not sure whether this was inexplicably the PG dub, but with the tits and the ass, uh, or if I just misremembered it over the years and it was always which. Yeah, there, the, the UK release apparently has a much more censored English dub, but still has the full uncut video of the shower scene. Weird. And that, that came out in 2013. That was the, the first Blu-ray. Right. Or, no, 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 because there's one in the collector's box, apparently. Jesus Christ! How many releases does this movie have? It's as bad as Watch Dogs. The, <sighs> the amount of different cuts and things. Like, if you think Blade Runner has, you know, multiple choices with regards to the version. Ain't got nothing on Street Fighter II, the animated movie from 1994. <sighs> uh, so... I mean, it's it, it's probably fair to say we watched approximately the same film. Yeah. I mean, it's the same imagery as more or less. We both saw exposed breasts. Right. So and visually, we got the same thing. Yeah, we had the same experience. Sure. Yeah, and the story is refreshingly, blessedly straightforward <laughs> compared to what we've been dealing with in recent <laughs> episodes. Plus, of course, me watching it via the uh, you know home entertainment service YouTube means I didn't get Amazon X-Ray facts, so I can't even interrupt and drag out the show to another hour in length. Uh, so this should be pretty good, which is also good because um, Conrad's got places to be. I do. I have, We're like, actually family to see and things. Yeah, like, we started the, the call a little after 7 in the morning, so this is It's unlike early. us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we normally start this about 10, 11, sometimes mm -hmm. 12. Uh, so we are pretty early. I'm a little subdued. But then I normally do a, a, a video or something around this time in the morning. So mind you, I always sound like shit when I do those. So so it, it's, it's, it's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, it'll be what fine. We're saying. Um, fine. You know, we're all recovering from the new year. So it's, it's cool. That's true. Yeah. 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 I'm in line for a good new year this year. A very quiet Christmas. How was your Christmas? Um, yeah, no, it was great. We went nowhere. We did right. nothing. Yeah. Uh, we stayed at home, um, and you know, my wife and I exchanged a couple of gifts, and, and I made a, a really big meal. I made a ridiculously big meal for two people, like a full pork loin with dried cherries and mm -hmm. wrapped in bacon, and uh, sweet potatoes and some broccoli and this this, this fucking tart with um, caramelized onions and apples and. Nice. Um, and a, and, a, and a bread pudding with uh, substituting croissants. Yeah, it was, it was pretty that intense. good. Yeah. yeah. We had a similar Christmas. Not a lot happening. Watched Fury Road again. That's about ah. it. Uh, got, yeah. some, got some stuff, you know, exchanged gifts, did that whole thing. I was so um, disappointed in my wife. She watched a bunch of Christmas movies, did not watch Gremlins. Ah. Did not watch Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, like, what the... The, the classics. Yeah. 
You know, I want to get my holiday picture on. She's watching Love Actually, and uh, which was depressing because you know then I had to see Alan Rickman be awesome. Yeah, I uh, aside from Fury Road, I watched Krampus: The Reckoning. Was that which bad? It it had breasts exposed to our pleasure within the first five minutes. Oh, usually a bad sign. And a full on. No lighting, CGI image of the Krampus within the first ten, Ooh, uh, and great. it looked like something you'd see on the PlayStation Two. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was fairly incredible, uh, and I stopped watching halfway through the scene. After that, it, it was it was unwatchable. Not even funny, bad. Just just once you've seen the breasts and the Krampus, the which looked nothing like a Krampus. You could fill in the rest of these blanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah more tits yeah. happen, more Krampus happens. The film ends at some nebulous, unsatisfying point. So don't bother with Krampus the Reckoning. Oh, I, I, uh, I played Metal Gear Solid Five. That's what I did on Christmas. Oh. I finally got around to, to getting the Phantom Pain. The Phantom Pain. How did you enjoy that? Uh, boy, it is an open world game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I already know all of the story stuff, so I won't be either offended nor thrilled by it. Right. Which is fine. Um, I do appreciate that an effort was made to tie up all of the goddamn loose ends that this series has in this mm-hmm. game. Um, I think they could have done it without the skulls. But... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was but, a lot yeah. the game could have done without and then replaced with good things. Like, I thought the game was superb as, as a game. Mechanically, it's phenomenal. Yeah, uh, great, incredible fun. But it, it was a kind of reversal of fortunes for the series, because uh, the other games always had some, at least, at least some major convoluted gameplay thing, some element. Yeah. that made it more of an annoyance to play than it should be. But the story, is as you know, bizarre and, and often stupid as they could be, were engaging and full of very interesting characters and uh, really great villains and, and set pieces. And this was kind of the opposite way round, where this time they nailed the gameplay, but it was the story and the characters that were somewhat lackluster. Uh, so... Yeah, it was, well, it was and an it's, apples it's, and oranges thing. And it's like the new ones that I'm not interested in. I'm really interested in, you know, finishing up those other characters that I know who they are. Yeah. You know? Even, you know, I had known who they who the fuck they were without having read a spoiler on the internet. That much was obvious. So, yeah. I'm having fun with it. It's, it's a good game. Good yeah. game. And I like I like kidnapping people, so it's always good. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so I guess we should talk about Street Fighter though, and yeah, and the animated feature. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want our thoughts on Street Fighter as a series, which we you know will sometimes do before we talk about the movie, we talked about that of course in our Street Fighter the movie podcast, which was it feels like one of the early ones now. Well, um, I think it was. Fairly early. Yeah. Well, uh, this is only the second anime thing that we've done, too. I mean, after Pokemon. That's true. That's true. Uh, we, yeah, 
because that's what this is. It's an anime. Came and out. It, 1994, yeah. 1994. And it is an anime. And, and boy, yeah. you know, I, I could have forgotten that at points. And then it just has to remind me. <laughs> hey. It came out kind of during, at least from my perspective as a child in the UK at the time, there was this sort of miniature temporary golden age of manga VHSs mm. when they were a big thing for a while. And you'd have your manga section, not even anime, your manga section. Wow. In HMV or, or Virgin or any other sort of high street retail entertainment store back when they were a thing. So you're talking about manga, the company that produced anime video? Yes. yes. Okay. The, All right. Things like Ninja Scroll and, and everything. Right. Like As opposed to manga, out. the you know term for the comic book. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, manga, specifically the the label under which these VHSs were released. Yeah, we... under the manga label. We got a lot of that stuff in the U.S. around the same time, too. Um, and I think all of that... Like, when did Akira come out? Because well, I think that's the watershed moment. I mean, that was... Yeah, that was the... The, the big thing. Yeah, 1988. And, yeah, okay. so... Because um, I can remember um, after 1988, after uh, Akira, and I, think, I think it released in maybe 1990 in the u.s that sounds right to me but it sounds been... about right because i think it came to the uk a little after um but I think oh yeah okay 1991 was the first uh home video and that right. that would have been so that would, i would have seen it probably 92 uh for the first time and there were other there when that became a success and and was being seen seriously as filmmaking by some people. Uh, it exposed the mark, you know, exposed the U.S. to a new uh, to being a new market. And there was a brief flood of this stuff that came in. Um, yeah. And some of it was fucking great. Like I can remember seeing Barefoot Gen um, around this time, or maybe '93, '94, and and thinking that was fucking incredible. Um, and then there was stuff that was, you know, not so great also, but it wasn't, it was short-lived. It um, was, yeah. I, I, it, I don't even remember when it stopped. I remember it being the thing. My brother was, was big into it and I'd kind of, um, vicariously experience it through him and, and what his friends were watching. And yeah, you know, I, I distinctly remember the very special little section in uh, HMV and the Broadway shopping center in Bexley Heath. Uh, just this one row of, of manga-specific VHS tapes. Uh, it was this sort of special interest area in the corner where nobody else was. Um, but yeah. I'd go there uh, hoping to guess which ones had boobs in from the covers. Uh, and one day at a blockbuster... Um, renting out videos did luck out when I found a Ross Sucker Dodgy Legend of the Overfiend. Oh, which a I classic. Think is possibly many, many disgusting teenagers' first experience, at least from my generation of, uh, shall we say, drawn porn? I think I might have seen Wicked City first. Right. But it's it's a toss-up as to which, which of the two I saw. It uh, was always a toss-up for me in the mid-90s. hey yo. Talk about masturbation. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, and I, 
I, you know, watched Akira and a few of these things. I thought that's really neat. And then, uh, you know, like with fads, it passed and, and I just sort of left it behind. But it was certainly enough to spark a passion for anime in people that I knew or would later meet, you know, uh, and, and people who continue that passion the rest of their lives and their fascination with Japanese culture was a result of this brief, very brief period where it was in vogue. Almost like there's just this rip in reality. Yeah. That just let this, this entity come out uh, and then it was shot away. Uh, for me, it began a lifelong experience of always wanting to be into anime, but never finding anime I liked enough to be into. Yeah, like, I've tried as as recently as as you know. I want to say the last time was was a handful of years ago. I regularly will pick a a, a well rated uh, or a classic or just one that looks promising. Uh, anime and try and watch it and I I just can't and and I don't know why because there are things in them that I I should be really enjoying but I don't know I just I I, I cannot I have a real love hate real love hate relationship with it as as an art and I I've much like you I have tried uh many times with varying levels of success I had a really good stretch around uh 2000 where I was, I was watching. I wasn't just watching DVDs that I was picking up at my uh, local Suncoast Video, um, uh, but I, I had been, I had started finding series online and getting into some fan dubs and watching things that were, you know, coming out um, mm-hmm. and and being translated relatively quickly and and being able to watch them. And that was an interesting experience. So I. I watched uh, most of the first uh, series of Gantz that way, uh, which is a weird, weird, weird fucking show um, about people who are in, they're dead and in a game, and the game's rules are dictated by a big black sphere that's in the place that they're all, that they all, in the apartment that they all just wake up in after they're dead. Mm Mm-hmm. And it orders them to kill people. Fun. It's it's a trip, um, you know. So I yeah, and Aishiteruza Baby, which was just like this heartwarming tale of an adoptive daughter in a household, and it was just like tug at your heartstrings. I was really into this stuff, <laughs> and then you know you hit a dry spell where there you know you don't have a show that you're into that much and right. it's easy to forget yeah and that's you know the way it is there are a, a number of series some of them are you know things that people would call classics that i really love uh things that uh pioneer brought over uh like uh trigun and serial experiments lane uh those are two of my all-time favorites i you know i, I think everybody likes bebop I, I don't know anybody who doesn't like Cowboy Bebop, if they've That's watched the, it. That's the one that always comes up when you talk about serials. Yeah. The the respected ones. Well, it, 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 that As one, I think, like, changed you know, the game in a lot of ways, too. Yeah. Because you've got your kind of real proper entry levels. You've got your, your Dragon Ball Z and everything. And, and that was one that, as a 15-year-old, because I think that's when it first properly came to the UK... Um, 
that was very watchable, very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I, I never, never it. got into it. I had, there were friends of mine in my Boy Scout troop. There was a kid, Bobby, who, uh, uh, his family is Japanese. And so he would get Dragon Ball manga and, mm-hmm. and, and show us the, the drawn tits. And it was very amusing. Um, but so some of that crew was into Dragon Ball, but none of that stuff did it for me. It was just too dragged out and insipid. Yeah. Uh, by the way, listeners, um, you're all right as far as recommending stuff to us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're don't. Fine. I've got I, I just yeah, yeah. Good, good, good call. I didn't think about the Pandora's box we were opening there. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine for it if i do want recommendations and i may do one day i'll let you know but i'll make one to all of you um the legend of black heaven is probably not super easy to find now but it's the story of a a a middle-aged office drone uh who is you know he's got a wife and uh a kid and his life didn't turn out the way he thought it was going to be because he was uh, the guitarist in a heavy metal band in his 20s. Right. And they, you know, he thought they were going to be a big success, and they weren't. And so he sort of clung to this. And then aliens from outer space come to him and tell him that they need his unique sound to save the galaxy. Because they have their secret weapon is powered by music. And, and I'll talk about this a little bit in, in the actual, when we're going through the synopsis. But this is the one, one of the rare anime, uh, much like Trigun, uh, and Trigun doesn't do it as well as this one does, that makes me f- ignore the stupid, goofy anime shit. You know, the overexcited female characters, the unnecessary titillation, the, the cat faces. Oh, God, the cat faces. I hate all that shit. Like, I, I really enjoy anime when it's generally serious in tone. I don't mind a joke here and there, but I can't stand it when they go off on some extended goofy shit. Just not... I don't ever find it entertaining or funny. And that's, I, it's just a cultural difference. I'm not, just not wired that way. Sure. But, um... This, this is the show that's most deftly managed to include that content and have me not give a shit because it's so tactfully integrated in with this story of this beleaguered guy. He just becomes a beleaguered guy, and it works well from an overwhelming his life standpoint. Uh, Black Heaven, it's a short series, it's like 13 episodes, and if you can find it, it's great. Like, it's really good. All right, anyway, we should talk about Street Fighter. We should probably talk about Street Fighter. Street Fighter 2, animated movie. Uh, let's get cracking with that one then, shall yeah. we? Yeah. 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 As the movie opens, Sagat and Ryu do a fighting near a street in a thunderstorm while someone is observing and assessing them. Um, there's fighting. And Ryu dragon punches Sagat's chest and then Hadouken's the fuck out of him. Yeah, there, there is a lot of fighting in this movie. It is a it's, lot of fighting. One of the major differences between this and Street Fighter the movie, the live-action movie, 
uh, is that there's there's a lot of street fighting in this one. Fighting near streets. Yeah. Or on yeah, streets. Like this is a world where if you see a street, fighting has a good chance of happening in its general vicinity. It whereas, seems likely to break out. Yeah. Whereas Street Fighter the movie, it was mostly relegated to islands and prisons. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so that's one major difference. Also, this movie, unlike uh, Street Fighter the movie, the live action movie, is not a comedy. It, it, no similarities with Rush Hour whatsoever. No, very serious. Mm-hmm. Except for, you know, a couple of those goofy-ass things. They do a few little moments of levity, but for the for the most part, Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, 1994, is all business. I was surprised at how much the visuals and animation style reminded me of Fist of the North Star. It feels very heavy and chunky at mm-hmm. points. Well, that uh, was... Um... I think that was part of the style at the time. I remember mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of them during that sort of VHS manga era. It, it was all, from what I recall, it was all very similar to that. Yeah. Nowadays, of course, it's all very, very skinny boys. <coughs> but back then, it was it was like you say, very meaty, very heavy kind of stuff. Uh, Cammy. Assaults a politician in broad daylight and is taken down by security. A a politician who, if I'm perfectly honest, we didn't lose a great one. No, he comes across as corrupt. Well, not just corrupt, but like really bad at being corrupt. Because as he's leaving, um, whatever it is, mayoral office or whatever, the White House, I don't know. He's leaving some political building. There are journalists all around him. And it's clear that the writer's either didn't care or, or didn't really know how American political conversations in the media go. So the questions that were asked from the journalist extras in this scene are, uh, what do you think of the homelessness issue? And have you got anything to say about anti-corruption? Which, when you're talking about political cor- uh, questions, not political correctness, political questions are... About as soft as softball gets. Uh, and I don't know if this is a difference between our, uh, the, the, the dubs that we listen to. Um, I did not get the impression this was America. Um, okay. They refer to him as minister. Okay. They might, have, they might have done in mine. He just, he looked like a very stereotypical American politician. Yeah. He and didn't now, look like a, like a British minister yeah well and i don't make sense being cammy right but i didn't it didn't hear any accent that would lead me to think it was british either oh you see i did because that that's why i think this guy was a shit politician because you get the journalists asking about homelessness and anti-corruption which are real like they may as well been lobbing little globs of spunk at him like they're that soft in terms of what what a question is because like any politician can bullshit their way through those you know homelessness it's a bad it's a terrible issue oh, it's a, it's a tragedy that we have yeah. to you know be vigilant in our efforts to fight jobs 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 etc and anti-corruption do you you pay that lip so it's not hard to pay that lip service as a no we're gonna drain the swamp yeah yeah exactly um and he didn't 
do that. He ignored the homelessness one and said he had nothing to say about anti-corruption. Like, no wonder Cammy twisted his neck off. He was useless. Uh, this video, uh, this, this scene of Cammy being uh, involved in this attack is all shown on a monitor. And uh, we hear Chun-Li explaining uh, Cammy's connection to MI6. Or if you're Guile's voice actor, Chun-Li. Chun-Li. <laughs> um, and, uh, and apparently Cammy has no memory of her last three years. Uh, she's been hypnotized. And this is a scheme by Shadow Law. Shadow Law. Shadow Law. That made me mis uh, nostalgic hearing that. Yeah. Because these days, you know, it's a global market. So the idea of localized names and things has changed. Right. You know, Dr. Robotnik is now canonically, officially Dr. Eggman across oh, all God, media. That's a fucking crime. Where he was... Well, I did like the compromise they made in that they... Even though canonically he's Dr. Eggman and that's how he's constantly referred to, they compromised when they merged all the naming conventions and said that that was a nickname. Which so it actually his, works as a, as a nickname. Yeah, it's his kind of code name where well, it, Dr. It combines Robotnik Robot, which is what he does, and No Good Nick, which he is. Yeah, but that's his real name, Dr. Robotnik. Damn right. And Dr. Eggman is just, I guess, his supervillain name or whatever it is, you know, what they, like, it's not on his birth certificate. Uh, so that was an interesting compromise, but, but that kind of stuff was common back then, you know, different yep. localizations, uh, not really in communication with each other, the different departments. So, you know, the book. Or it could be a licensing group completely unaffiliated with the production team that made it. Yeah, yeah, and of course legal issues, which is that it's the one translation change that's properly endured, uh, at least with Street Fighter, is uh, Vega and M. Bison and Balrog having their names switched around, because mm -hmm. you don't want M. Bison as the boxer because of Mike Tyson, which that was the reason they changed it all around, because uh, Balrog was originally Vega, and uh, uh, no, yeah, 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 no, no, M. Bison... Well, he was called Vega. The one, yeah, the, the the one the one we think of as M Bison was called Vega. The one we think of as uh, Vega yeah. was Balrog. Balrog. And the one we think of as Balrog was M Bison. Yes. Yes. Um, and of course, that that changes the context of the names because oh, Balrog yeah. uh, is an ugly demonic kind of figure, and and that was supposed to be in contrast to Vega's character as this pretty narcissist, you know. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's all old hat. But they do... An interesting bit in this film, though, is they do refer to them by their Western names. So M. Bison's the bad guy, Vega is the, the fella in the mask, and M. Bison... Uh, and, sorry, Bullrog is the boxer. But the screen behind them when they talk about these characters and show their profiles when they're introducing the villains, they didn't bother changing the text... So you've got Vega's face, but it says Bullrog right next to him. Which is weird, because they're so thorough everywhere else. Pretty much, yeah, even if they are getting a lot of names wrong. Uh, which brings me back to my original thing about the nostalgia, because uh, as a kid, M. Bison's organization slash country slash whatever it needed to be in the story was always Shadow Law. It, it was never Shadow Lou. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was only once once the markets started to form up and globalize, the internet happened, cultural exposure became, you know, almost impossible to avoid for anyone who was online. Um, it became Shadow, Shadow Lou. Uh, so Shadow Law to me doesn't sound all that weird. Although I can right. imagine it's jarring for those who grew up with it as uh, Shadowloo, as, as its proper name. Um, similarly, of course, there was Final Fantasy VII, which had Ares in and, the original uh, copy. And then Aerith in the, in the... I say original copy, the original uh, localization. And yeah, it's, it's always canonically Aerith with a TH. So that's all interesting stuff. It is. So, uh, Shadow, Shadow Law has been creating terrorists from Street Fighters using hypnosis. I yeah, guess. not a great plan. No, it's really not up there. Yeah, and um, Bison's main problem, across most of his incarnations, is that he seems to think all of his problems are solved with martial arts. When yeah. Com- really, comparatively, very few problems in life uh, megalomaniacal or otherwise, are solved with martial martial arts. Right? Has I want to say one major distinct purpose, and that's for dealing with other martial arts. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, yeah, uh, yeah, I could see yeah. that. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to take over the United States of America, for example. Right. If all the soldiers replace their guns with karate chops then your exclusive martial arts plan works fantastically. <laughs> but there are guns. In fact, a scene later in this film highlights this problem dramatically. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, too, because this this iteration of Bison, like... He doesn't. He's, he's not. He doesn't have the Raúl Julia craziness oh, no. going on, right? No, they went with the the more classic sort of creepy. Oh yeah. With a little petulance and a, a little, little bit. a little pizzazz, but but generally, again, like much of this film, all business. No, and it feels like there's like it feels like there's a proper organization behind him. This yes. isn't just some ramshackle thing that he's operating out of a, a volcano with a skull on it. It's like th- yeah. there's a, a, a body at work uh, doing doing his bidding. He has cyborgs. Yeah. Yeah, there's infrastructure in place. And he'll fly those cyborgs to the Himalayas if he has to. If he has to. <laughs> he said that himself. He doesn't... He, no expense bad. He'll get what he wants, even <laughs> if you have to fly a cyborg into the Himalayas. Uh, so Bison's also recruited Vega, Balrog, and Sagat to be terrorists with him. Yes. Uh, and so Chun-Li, I guess, not wanting to feel left out in having friends, uh, proposes partnering Interpol uh, that she works with with the American military, who are also trying to defeat Shadow Law. Yeah, the American military, of course, sent their worst man for the job. Yeah, Guile shows up and insists he doesn't need help, and Chun-Li calls him a brushhead. Yeah, uh, and, and that's pretty much, I think, this scene in which Guile uh, is robbed of his ability to um, make friends mm-hmm. and is called a brushhead. 
I think this might be his most effective scene in the film. I think this is where he's at his most useful in the in the film. Do you think so? I think he, yeah, because because it kind of goes downhill from there in terms of his effectiveness. Well, in, he is in the plot. Yeah, he is almost comically like just too late all the time. Yeah, yeah, he's good <laughs> at showing up late. And not not really doing a very good job about the whole M. Bison thing. <laughs> uh, cut to an island somewhere. Or, I don't know, it seemed like an island at the time. It's not an island. There's a high-tech cargo plane. Yeah, they lands... often were in the 90s, though. We have to be forgiven. Like, yeah. Like, we grew up on a lot of 90s media. And yeah, everything was on an island. on islands. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, you know, when you think South Pacific... You think you're, you know, when when you think Asian supervillain, I would go island. You you you'd think an island. You'd think an island, but no, not uh, M Bison. M Bison's deep in Cambodia. I think. That's also he's, really not clear. He's in a place. Okay. He's Stop in a place. Hassling us. There is a giant. M Bison somewhere. There's a giant fucking head carved out of a plateau. It's real subtle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look. Look. All you need to know is that we know more about where M. Bison is than Guile ever will. <laughs> and Guile's gonna go there. <laughs> oh. Bison and his mercenary gang disembark uh, in their secret base. And everyone in the halls gets the hell out of Bison's way because he's oh, yeah. the shit. And it there is a, this, it's a good little scene, actually. Just it him is and, very long. It is the longest fucking walk. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. There is a lot of scenes in which nothing happens, but they take a long time to detail all the nothing. I would, I could speed up some of this. Yeah, I would just cut some of these long bits by fifty percent, and we'd have a good, you know, yeah. seventy minute movie. Yeah, the version I watched was a hundred and forty minutes. Yeah, mine as well. Lengths, of course. Yeah, uh, and it, it really is. It's 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 at least thirty minutes too long, and most of it's it's just filler time. Adds nothing. Yeah, like I, I I'm not. You, you don't even have to cut the all of the um, extra fights between characters that have no consequence whatsoever on the plot. Like you could skip all that shit. It wouldn't yeah. matter. Uh, but that the that film, would make the film thirty minutes. The film felt more storied to me as a child. When I watched it back, I was. Like, it, it was right at the end by the time I'd realized, like, nothing happened. Not Mm-mm. a lot happened here. Yeah. Not a lot, but, not a lot happens. Um, yeah. Bison takes this... It is, I think it's like uh, 90 seconds, maybe two full minutes of just walking through hallways and people getting the fuck out of Bison's way. Yeah, you only needed to show them walk down one corridor and have those scientists sidestep. I do like the, the bit when they does. get on the elevator and Bison turns and he's just like a square. Yeah, very blocky boy. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, that I mean, he's broad, impossibly broad shouldered mm-hmm. um, for his waist. And he compensates for his, his sort of, you know, girlish figure with this. Just, well, with shoulder pads that extend out the width of his ridiculous shoulders even further. Yeah, pretty much wearing executive pauldrons. And a straight cape down. Mm Mm-hmm. 
fuck, he's well designed. Like, he is a great character design. Yeah. That cleft that's so deep that you could, like, stick a business card in it. I got business... I got... Not business cards. I got hiccups. <laughs> uh... So... Oh, God, this is bad. Uh-oh. Okay. You carry on, I'm holding my breath for 10 right. seconds. That never works. I, I like to drink a pint of water after I hold my breath. I got water. Yep. So Bison's creepy-ass scientist shows him uh, a cyborg that analyzes fighters and transmits information via satellite to Shadow Law. Okay, and... I'm, I'm still holding my breath, but I've got to point out that I think... M. Bison's creepy scientist looks a bit like Dungeon Master from the Dungeon... He does! Oh my god! He looks just like Dungeon Master. Fuck! Just get that man a robe. You've got to stop Venga! That's... Okay, alright, wait wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is the Street Fighter anime (laughs) in the same shared universe as Dungeons & Dragons? What I'm asking is... Is the Dungeon Master in the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon... Is his day job working science for M. Bison? I think so. I, in fact, I'm I'm all, almost convinced now that the <laughs> fairground ride that the kids go on to get transported to the world of Dungeons and Dragons is a, 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 sh- a Shadow Law Corp uh, product. <laughs> Amazing. Um. So the the scientist guy. Uh, shows this video of um, Ryu and 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 Sagat, and and Bison orders that Ryu be found because of how Ryu kicks Sagat's ass, basically. Yeah, I, think I gotta how wonder happened. how long ago that was. That they like how long it took that scientist to tell M Bison that because Sagat's scarred over. Well, and I think I think the like the word had traveled. Before that, like it had been, it had been time. Like I think years have passed since that fight. Like that's like, the I impression I got. Because so, he was cut open, and then we next see Sagat and he's scarred up. But then we get the scientist just now telling M Bison about it. But, about like, yeah, it about was the... one of their cyborgs tracking the fight. Like I know this was before Wi-Fi, but but you'd think they'd get the word out quicker than years. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it. That is strange. Strange continuity thing. Um, Ryu, I guess we're just supposed to not question it. Probably not. There's a lot we probably should question in yeah, this movie, that's actually. That's true. Uh, Ryu's on a mountain practicing his dragon punches and remembering sparring with his old pal Ken back at the dojo. Um, Ken's living the good life, uh, owning a Porsche and having a blonde girlfriend in Seattle. Yeah. Um, and some really annoying lines. Yeah. Annoyingly delivered at the very least. Yeah, I wasn't... I don't know, he's just empty. He's just empty to me. It's nothing to Ken. Um, yeah. Fei Long blows off his acting commitment and attends an underground fight that uh, Ryu winds up forced to participate in. And uh, Ryu takes out his first opponent in a single headbutt, which leads Fei Long to challenge him, and then they do fighting, and they each use all their special moves. And... Failing loses, or Failong, Failong loses, much to the chagrin of his friend who made a bunch of bets on him. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, Failong walks the streets of 
wherever they are. I don't know that that's ever made clear. Uh, and it's they have just place. It's place. The, yeah. Most locations in this film are place. I guess it's Thailand. I think it's supposed to be Thailand. Right. Um, they Fei Long talks with Ryu, saying he'd heard of the fight with Sagat. So you know, we're we're to traveled around in street yeah. fighting circles. Uh, and, uh, and he informs him of the Shadow Law Criminal Empire that, uh, Sagat's now entangled with. And the Ryu, just kind of like a dick, just wanders off. Yeah, he does just kind of, like many characters in this film, he serves his purpose and then fucks off quick. It's efficient like that, this they, film. They come to a fork in the road, and Fei Long starts walking one way, and Ryu wordlessly just turns, walks off. Says nothing. Fei Long notices it and turns and looks and watches it leave and says goodbye. Yep. A little wistful. Impressed with his new friend. Uh, one of Bison's cyborgs finds uh, T-Hawk and Ken fighting in a warehouse in Seattle and uh, is assessing them. But Ken walks away before delivering the finishing blow. Um, and as he's driving away, he, he thinks about his unfinished business with Ryu. A lot of that. Ken does a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, Ryu travels next to India, where he runs into a little girl, causing her to spill her milk, which Ryu compensates her for, nodding at the girl's grandmother before he leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Just very typical humanizing stuff. Yeah, and he finds he finds Dalsim and E Honda having a street fight, uh, and there's also a cyborg there. Yep. And Dalsim's doing this thing where he's like yoga hurting E Honda from range. Yeah, well, it's his classic move from the Street Fighter 2 video game. Yoga hurt, vaguely from a distance. <laughs> Yoga hurt! Vaguely yeah. from a distance! I mean, it was my favourite move. You know, many people went for the fire stuff, but it was always a bit too flashy for me. I, I, like, I like obscure hints at something having happened. <laughs> But, but, but Dalsim senses Ryu's power, and it distracts him from this move long enough for Ihan to turn the tide of the fight. And Dalsim winds up submitting, because he wants to find where he, you know, this person with this power is. Yeah, and, and considering the impact he has on the plot from here on out, like, it's worth throwing that fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Now, Ryu's long gone already. <laughs> And the girl he gave money for the milk sees him and tries to deliver his change. <laughs> Which would never happen! Would never in a million years happen! Ever, ever, ever. That's just how good this child is. She's too good for this sinful earth. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it gets... And, and it shows you what happens to good people. Because she gets caught in a crossfire of gangsters who are performing a hit on behalf of Shadow Law. Mm-hmm. Now, Ryu kicks the gangsters. <laughs> they have guns! <laughs> he Black has shots. feet! Answer to, answer to all the problems in this film. 
and he kicks them through a windshield. It's just amazing. Uh, so yeah, he defeats them with his kicks. And they drive off, <laughs> fleeing. Well, um, one well, the bad guys shoot their own. Well, yeah, well, well, they were they were assassinating someone. It was a hit. Yeah. But I don't I don't understand all of the shooting. I, it's still very. The the cops. The assassin is trying to flee. Right. He's trying to get back to the car with the other bad guys in it. Right. And the cops show up, I'm assuming they're cops, with machine guns. Um, fire at him and get him in the leg. So the bad guys in the car decide to cut their losses, I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, and avoid the would-be assassin from kidna- uh, getting captured by Interpol and what have you. So they shoot him to death. Got in, it. In one of my favorite machine gun deaths. Uh, in media, I, I used to love this one as a child um, because because it was unnecess- unnecessary in the amount of bullets that were going through this dude. Yeah. Because not only does he take several, you know, blood heavy, like, like they don't skimp on the blood in this. They do so not. He's got holes opening up in himself and blood gushing out and then spins round so they can do him in the back. <laughs> it's awesome. I guess they're trying to imply, you know, the the force of the bullets are so bad, he's, he gets spun around and takes some there. But it just, it looks so unnecessarily gratuitous, without even being all that gory. No. Um, that I just love it. I, I love this scene. And also, I love it because it, it highlights the most fundamental flaw, as I mentioned earlier, in M. Bison's plan, is that machine guns, at most ranges are better than martial arts. They just are. Martial arts are fantastic if you are, like, a foot away from someone with a machine gun who doesn't know martial arts. Or much about machine guns. Or much about machine guns. (laughs) That's true. To be be honest, martial arts are at their most effective in a machine gun situation... (laughs) When the person who has the machine gun is asleep, <laughs> then Shadow Law's taken over. I'm using Shadow Law just because for, for the purposes of this film. Uh, Shadow Law is taking over if everyone with a machine gun is asleep. And also handguns and shotguns and rifles and BB guns uh, and some water pistols because... Enough of a blast from a fully pumped super soaker, and you're blinding a guy long enough to kick him in the knackers. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. And you don't need martial arts to kick him in the knackers. No, no, you just need to know where the knackers are, and most of us have that down pat. So, yeah, like I'm not saying martial arts are useless. Martial arts are, are, you know, a wonderful thing. Wonderful discipline. Uh, has a lot of benefits outside of pure combat, you know? Certainly. Uh, but if you're going up against armies and world leaders and countries, and if you're just being a criminal in general, uh, bring a Glock. Not not just your meat. So uh, after kicking these gangsters, Ryu delivers the girl to paramedics. And is approached by E. Honda, 
who gives him half of the winnings from the fight with Dalsim, saying Japanese fighters need to stick together. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit racial. A little bit. Uh, e Honda is the it. he's the comic relief of this film. He is, as he was in uh, the live action film. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, there was a lot of comic relief in that one. But um, again, it's 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 the comic relief that he provides is effective and not cheap. Yeah, yeah he's relatively amusing. Yeah, so I was pleased with that. Um, Bison gets a status update and is shown the video of Ken fighting in the warehouse. His genius scientist figured out that they have the same technique, did a bit of poking around, discovered that Ryu and Ken... Uh, same technique as Ryu, I should say. And he did a, a bit of poking around, discovered that those two trained together for ten years, and they're considered equals. So Bison decides to just make Ken his next hypnoterrorist. He already knows where the fuck he is. That, yeah. You know what? This is good decision-making from the top, actually. Oh, yeah, I mean, if you ignore the fact that the plan... The plan itself is bad, but the execution and adaptation yes. of the plan, yeah. Yeah, fundamentally, his whole scheme is, I mean, let, let's face it, it's a castle built on sand, but it's yep. a really well-built castle. <laughs> There's also talk about Shadow Law's interest in the current U.S. election, and the guy running for president is uh, named Ed Pressman. Mm -hmm. And this is just a throwaway reference in the English edition to the producer of the Street Fighter film, Edward R. Pressman. Uh, uh, Street Fighter the movie, I should say. Yeah. Uh, coming out the next, the subsequent year. So that's fun. Well, here we go. And uh, his scientist also shows him footage of Cammy being interrogated by Chun Li. Chun Li. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who, uh, but this doesn't seem to bother Bison. He seems pretty confident that he's still gonna win all of this stuff. And, and his, he his... is yeah, very arrogantly overconfident in this whole thing. Doesn't <laughs> seem worried about anything. His hypnosis is totally gonna stand up under the fierce scrutiny of Chun-Li. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Chun-Li, she stands up to Guile about his vengeance crusade against Bison, pointing out that she has a similar one, but she's a professional, goddammit. And insists that they work together. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that That was a bit of a misstep with this film. Mm -hmm. they, they, they try and prove that Chun-Li is uh, job-driven, uh, very good at what she does, and is thinking with her head and using clear, unclouded judgment. Then she wants to work with Guile, who well, yeah. has none of what his name is. This whole partnership relationship that they have is weird. Yeah, I think it's just people deciding culturally um, that Guile and uh, Chun-Li have to work together. Like, like they, they are the pairing. Like, um, uh, Ren... Ren? Sorry, I was watching Ren and Stimpy last night. Ken and Ryu. Uh -huh. You know, you've got them to uh, as a pair who work together and and so they just needed to pair off two characters and that's what we got yeah that's that's yeah, it's i don't i don't understand and i can see like the potential for having that kind of you know because i mean that's a classic classic pairing 
you know, the, the cop that, uh, that is very by the book and the cop that doesn't play by the rules, you know, that's, yeah. uh, not, doesn't work here. <laughs> well, the main problem is that, that Guile doesn't play. <laughs> Regardless of rules, he just kicks, o- o- like, doors open. Well, he keeps showing up after late. the game's already been played. Yeah. You know, he's, he's the kid that showed up for Little League late. Every time. And eventually just they kick him off the team. Yeah. Um, Stupid old brush head. So they, they go to... And I don't know where they go um, for this. Uh, place. Place, yeah. I don't know where DJ works out of. Place. It may just be New York still. Um, which is where Interpol's headquarters is located. Um, but they go track down DJ. Who is DJing at the club? Little on the nose. A little bit. Little bit. Uh, and Guile. Uh, well, DJ's defending himself from people in the club that didn't like his music. Uh, mm-hmm. while, while there's a cyborg watching and sort of analyzing him. Then Guile shows up and, like, catches his foot mid kick, tries to warn him about Shadow Law. DJ blows him off until Chun Li just kicks the head off the cyborg across the street. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, Again, it becomes clear that Interpol of... knows everything about Shadow Shadow Law. That's true. Like, all of a sudden, these cyborgs are just like, she knows about them. And yeah. I'm not sure if Guile knows about them, but it's never been made clear that Interpol or the American military knew about the cyborgs. Yeah. Well, Guile definitely knew. Okay. Because... Because it just makes sense that he'd know, but wouldn't kick the cyborg's head off. Because that's too effective. It's So he definitely knows. But it's like out Chun-Li, of nowhere. Gonna... Chun-Li, I reckon, was guessing. <laughs> Guile knew for a fact and did nothing. Chun-Li had an inkling and successfully eliminated the problem. That's, that's my headcanon, and no one's changing it. Guile's... Telling DJC these things are everywhere. And, and this is true because there's another fucking one like 10 feet above them. On top of it the. Makes, it kind of diminishes the <laughs> impact of what M. Bison said when he was like, you know, I'm going to find him even if I. even if we have to send uh, a fucking cyborg to the Himalayas. Because there are so many of these cyborgs, there's probably five already on the Himalayas. <laughs> It's just, it's ten feet above him, standing very obviously at the edge of the building in front of the sign, where anybody on the street at some point is liable to look up and be like, hey, oh, don't jump, don't jump. Yeah, I've got to question, (laughs) I've got to question a nefarious scheme in which you're already capable of building almost indistinguishable cyborgs. But your plan hinges on finding boys and girls good at punching. <laughs> How is that a trade up from from the fucking Terminator? Uh, you, get, you get a cyborg who looks like a bloke with a gun to shoot the people you're assassinating. And if they get captured, who cares? Have them self-destruct, or they won't be able to tell you anything anyway. They won't be able to be tortured. 
they only know the things you program them to know. Why didn't he just like, like ignore the the street fighters altogether? <laughs> and this just should, used badass this, cyborgs. Yeah, this should have just been called like M Bison Cyborg Rampage. Why do all of these villains feel like they have to get so personally involved? Mm. Is this a holdover from when kings charged into battle with their armies? It could be that. I think it's mi- I think it's midlife crisis. <laughs> I think I think it's because M Bison's getting on, um, and and the rest of his his coterie are, the, are not exactly spring chickens. It's true. So yeah, yeah. Why not dive in and 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 because because you they've always got something to prove. They do. Always got something to prove. <laughs> and and this, so this uh. This cyborg is beaming its footage directly to Bison, who is watching. Yeah, so they can beam directly. Yeah. and So it, it shouldn't take years to tell someone about Ryu. And he's just leering at Chun-Li while savoring the memory of killing her father. Yeah, now this bit was weird to me because I swear... Now, I was tabbing back and forth at this particular point. But I swear I tabbed back to see that he was getting the cyborg to focus exclusively on Chun-Li's vagina. <laughs> you are not wrong, sir. The camera, while M. Bison's looking, going, Oh, yes, she's tasty, yes. Why don't you go and sexually assault her, Vega? Like, he didn't use those exact words, but that was the clear implication. It was the implication, yeah. yeah. And, and the camera that he was, like, he was watching on the monitor, and it was focusing, like right up her gully. Well, I think it started pan... It did a pan up to breasts and did a, you know, zoom in specifically onto breasts and then pan down to the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. yeah. And then... I mean, it, 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 and then it goes up and down a little bit and focus in and out. Like, the camera's trying to find the absolute precise best framing for the vag. I like to think that like the the cyborg is thinking. I don't know where M Bison's gonna want to finish, <laughs> so I'm I better just keep like scrolling up and down, like his hands on a like his hand is quavering desperately on a mouse. Uh, so that, that's that's what I like to think. Uh, and I, I can just now I'm totally visualizing about like. 10 more inches of frame below what we get to see as M. Bison's mm-hmm. sitting there talking to Vega over his shoulder. Like, I, I, he is sitting there doing a slow stroke. Oh, yeah. While Vega's watching. And that's why there's the line about... That's, what, that's why there's that line about his perversions. Because that's what Vega's really into. Vega's oh, into yeah. watching Bison stroke it. That's what's the happening in, in this The G in Vega scene. is silent. His <laughs> real name is Vega. That didn't work. <laughs> it did not work. I'll be honest, that didn't work. Uh, so that, let, let's chapter that. Move on. In um, Las Vegas. Yes. Zangief and Blanca. I, I've just got to say, I love oh. the transition to Las Vegas. Yeah, it's just. Because Bison's been sitting there and the film takes great, great paints to let us know what a skeeve he is. And so he's, it's been like a solid five minutes of him. Well, a, a semi-solid. He's been edging. It's a semi-solid five minutes. It was of, a chub of, of a five minutes. It was, it was a, chub of, a chub of five minutes of M. Bison 
masturbating over Chun Li and gleefully, while thinking about killing her dad and sending Vega off to attack her, um, loving it. And then it's just like something like, "Enough of this! Get me thus, Vegas!" And As if he's go- just like putting in a call or just having Las Vegas delivered to him. Well, and and I guess so. I guess that's who he's on. Who the weird guy? is on the phone with in the subsequent scene in Las Fuck Vegas. Fuck even those. I like to think it was the movie itself just saying we're done with this scene. I, that There's this whole conversation that's going on. This guy is on the phone talking to someone who I guess is M. Bison I about guess. some deal that's about to go down that is never addressed again. But it just, it establishes that apparently this place in Las Vegas is right now, I guess they're using one of the many wonderful convention centers and hotels in Las Vegas uh, for criminals. Mm-hmm. It's a criminal convention. Complete, it is, yeah, yeah, CrimCon 94. Complete with, you know, like a, a very professional announcement that the night's entertainment is going to begin. And so everybody assembles into, like, the, the I don't know, the theater? I get the arena, the, I mean, it, I think they normally have, like, those those motorbike shows there, the, the ones that go up the sides of the circular walls. Mm-hmm. I think that's what that, that that's normally used for, but it's been repurposed tonight for the criminals. Well, Zangief and Blanca are the entertainment and yeah. and they're they're fighting for this audience of criminals, and uh, Blanco wins by shocking the fuck out of Zangief. He does a full electric, does not give a shit, mate. Yeah, uh, Chun Li takes an unnecessarily long shower. Um, it's so and, long, and the breasts are drawn for our pleasure. Yeah, they are out. You see them. Uh, there is just a lot of butt as well. Yeah, uh, like this. This really and it's was, a butt. There's like, some. There's some butt wiggle. Yeah? Really, oh, like... Yeah. This not, film... I don't know anyone who... Sh- any, I, I, I haven't showered with a lot of women. There have been some. There have mm-hmm. been a few. And, and, and some of those situations were even somewhat sexy situations where it would be appropriate for there to be a little butt wiggle. You know, a, a tantalized... Yeah, right? Uh, and it is... I've never seen it. Never seen that happen. He ain't never seen it. He ain't never seen it, okay? But here... So, she loves it, though. She she loves wiggling her ass in the shower. Uh, not a lot of cleaning going on. No. A lot, a lot of... A lot of rinsing. Um, a lot of rinsing. A lot of putting one's hands up behind the head and running them through the hair. Uh, butt wiggling. A uh, lot of shots of feet. Uh, and, and really... Like, we can't overstate how long this goes on for. Like, it cuts away to other scenes. Well, that's, it's, it is like, it's a montage of, of uh, like, exterior architecture and Chun-Li in the shower. And Guile trying to get her on the phone. Well, that, that doesn't even come till later, almost. Like, that's a late introduction thing. She, the shower is pretty much over by the time he's calling her, at least in That's terms true. of our witnessing it. But then the, the the even when the shower's done, the fan service doesn't stop. Oh, no. Because then, oh, no. then she's got to put on just a shirt and panties and have her legs out for a while. Well, we, like, get, we get her in a towel film, first, even. This film was terrified that the people masturbating 
would be halfway through their orgasm before the scenes changed. Which is always a nightmare for any in any compulsive masturbation. It's you don't want to be finishing when the scenes change to something not sexy. Well, especially so since they were this giving gets... everyone enough time. Well, and and all right, there is a because there's a question that you have to ask yourself in mm. what's about to transpire here, right? Yeah. Because this shower does take a very long time, and it is long enough to crank one out. Yeah. I mean, you know, not, maybe not for everyone. Certainly if you were already pretty damn horny. And if you are a chronic masturbator, you know what you need to do. You can take care of that pretty quick. Yeah, you can get that. You can get that. 120 seconds is not unheard of. Yeah, you can, you can achieve that if you know what you're doing. Keep, keep practicing, kids. Um, so, it, but it is, it is, it's, it's a short enough span of time still that I think for the unprepared or the people who, you know, weren't planning to jack off to this, it could venture into the next scene. And then you have to ask yourself, is this still turning me on? There's still, despite what, despite the next scene, there's still a lot of, it's not up skirt because she ain't wearing one, it's up shirt. Yeah, um, there's, there's still light shots. teasing in here because there's, there's a buildup. And, and it's supposed to be a tension buildup to what's about to happen. But they keep cutting to Guile trying to call her. Being useless. <laughs> and it's just, it's like, he's not meant to be comic relief in this situation. But no. he becomes so. And yeah. completely spoils the tension of knowing that Vega is in Chun-Li's apartment as she's wandering around uh, half-naked, uh, listening to her incredibly badass vintage uh, vacuum tube hi-fi system. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Where do I get one of those? I, I'm not... I, I know that, that this probably exposes me as some, like... You know what? Fuck it. There are some things that hipsters are just right about. And that's <laughs> one of them. That's awesome. If you had one of those, your butt would be wiggling in the shower. Damn. You'd have a reason. Right. Um... So, yeah, they're trying to build all this tension with, with Vega in the apartment and yeah, her and in the apartment. And lead into what is, like, fan source and guile aside, what is probably the best fight scene in the film. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, and the fan service is thick in that fight. Oh, unapologetically so. Rampant. But it, yeah, I... But it is a, it's a brutal fight scene, and... Very well, ex- very well directed, very well paced, uh, and easily the thing I always remember from the film. Mm-hmm. Like even before I remember the breasts being drawn for our pleasure, uh, is is just that fight scene between Chun Li and Vega. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I don't think um, you know what it reminded me of, and and this is a film that can- comes later. Uh, but it, that this whole sequence reminds me of Perfect Blue. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I am unfamiliar. It is a sort of suspense thriller anime about a pop idol and uh, who who is dealing with a stalker. And okay. it, it the, the name starts to seem familiar now that you mention the synopsis. I don't think I've seen it, but there is but a, a very gra- there. Well, there's a, a couple of very graphic, violent sexual scenes in it. Right. Um. And and this scene 
you know that that whole film imagine imagine that they had done the tension of the Chun-Li apartment scene correctly and not interrupted it repeatedly with Guile. Right, because it is easy to see how that would be a really creepy scene without the the additives. Yeah, imagine that as a, like, 90-minute taut psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, it's effective, and it's got some, some twists and turns. You should watch it. It's, it's quite good. Um, but that's that's what that reminded me of. It came a few years after this. I don't know if there was any inspiration from it at all, but it, it, this scene very much reminds me of some of the stuff that appears in that. Right. Um, it was like the bit where she kicks him in the face and then he falls backwards and then just sort of slides himself back up and yeah. his head twists down and looks her right in the face just as she's trying to run past him. It's just very well done. I, I also like the scene where she knocks him down um, pretty forcefully, and he just springs up. He's still got the mask on at this point. Yeah. And he just, just like 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 a very very slow moving one of those inflatable punching bags. Mm. You know, she punched it. He went down, and stayed flat for a minute, and then ever so slowly and creepily. And think about like. The muscle. I think we're talking about the same scene. I think I just replaced it with a kick in my mind. Think about the the physical strength that would re- be required, not just to lift yourself up in that manner, but to do it at the slow, menacing rate that he does. Mm-hmm. Like I get just the thought of sitting up, exhausts me, <laughs> and uh, it's terrifying. Really, really good. Uh, all of that stuff is great, except for Guile. Um, and uh, Guile does eventually show up because they knock the phone off the hook. And and he hears them fighting. And so he runs to her. Uh, Vega's already gone, having been kicked out of a window by Chun-Li. And she's laying sort of beaten and She nails bloodied. him with a spinning bird kick and she stamps on his face and he gets upset because his beautiful face oh, is Oh, my ruined. beautiful face! Yeah. You bitch, I'll make you suffer! <laughs> I used to say that line a lot as a child. I found that de- like just the rushed delivery, just they tried to get it within the lip movements. Uh-huh. Wonderful. Uh, although, again, I remembered, remembered it as bitch as a child instead of witch, but that's besides the point. He gets kicked out a window. It's a really good fight scene. It's and a then very good fight. Guile ruins it. And then Guile reports in to Interpol and learns about Ken and Ryu. And that Bison is now uh, targeting Ken in Seattle. And Ken's driving around in Seattle. He's rocking out of some Alice in Chains. And having an awkward conversation with his girlfriend about getting married. When he remembers running with Ryu. When they trained together. And how Ryu was better at running. (laughs) And then he nearly drives into a semi. (laughs) Well, we've all been there. Yeah. We've all remembered that one guy at school who was better at running than us and almost <laughs> had a car wreck. Uh, it, uh, Hamster Guile on a daily basis. They arrive at his girlfriend's... Her name's Eliza. Um, and she, she decides to... She lives in a mansion? Who is this person? I, I don't... I want to know more about their relationship. I want to know how they met. I want to know about Ken wanting to settle down. In Seattle. 
should be a spinoff of Frasier. Mm. Ken Ken calls into Frasier's show all the time because he has this deep psychological trauma about well, not about not being as good as the, the guy he trained with at the dojo for ten years. Yeah. <laughs> hey baby, I hear the blues are calling. <clears throat> so. Uh, back on the road, Ken stopped by Bison's carrier plane, and Bison offers to give Ken everything he's ever wanted by making him a better fighter than Ryu. Oh, no, that's going to play into his jealousy. But Ken rejects him, because Ken and Ryu are friends. Oh, thank fuck. So Bison just sort of levitates him with psycho power, tosses him around like a rag doll. Like, they fight if you could call it that. Yeah, which does prompt the question, why isn't M. Bison just doing this all himself? Yes! I need really powerful fighters, but you're kicking all of their asses. Shut up! Send more cyborgs to the Himalayas! <laughs> he deflects everything Ken throws at him, most notably a Hadouken, which then bounces back onto Ken and, like, destroys his clothes, I think? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. He does a number on him. And, uh, and then Guile shows up to find Ken's a Porsche abandoned on the side of the road. And once again, he's too late to, to do anything. Just fucking incompetent. Um, at Interpol HQ, he tries to figure out where Shadow Law's base is, uh, expecting that Ken will be taken there. And word comes in that Ryu has been located near the Laos-Thailand border, but it doesn't seem that Bison's found him yet. So Guile then asks what the strategy is to eliminate Shadow Law, and a military commander suddenly does know where all their main bases are, and plans to assault them in Cambodia? Yeah. I just want to be clear about this, because I didn't go, I went back and checked and listened to it a few times, just to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Guile and the Interpol guy have a conversation about not knowing where Shadow Law's base is. And then a military commander, who I think is standing there the whole time listening to this conversation, says their main HQ is here and we're going to assault it. Yeah, I told you this yesterday, <laughs> Guile. How pissed off must this guy be? <laughs> yeah. Either he's that running. or he's a complete asshole who's just been sitting on this information. <laughs> like, I, it turns out Guile was hyper-competent this whole movie. He was just undermined by his subordinates <laughs> the whole time, gunning for his job. This is why he's always late. Because the yep. military commanders... Or the, the, the other commanders are worried about his competence, and they're trying to make sure that he never rises to replace them. Like, they're never shown to be less competent than him. So yeah. they introduce little failures into Guile's workflow, giving him information just late enough for it not to have an impact. Mm-hmm. They knew Vega was in her apartment from the beginning. I mean, they still get they credit for having Guile. gotten the intel, right? They still got the intel. They still got it to him. Oh, we were just too late. Just, I'm, we, we blew it. We'll get him next time, Guile. <laughs> uh, 
Guile goes to visit Chun-Li in the hospital and swears to get revenge for both of them. Tears welling up in his eyes. Mm-hmm. He's a sad boy. And it's hard to tell if this is, like, if they're going for a they're going to be lovers after this or if, you know, he's just that, like, so completely out of touch with his emotions that his declaration at vengeance for a comrade leads to, like, a, an emotional tear-filled breakdown. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna assume he's just thinking about the sum total and results of his fuck-ups in his career <laughs> up to that point. And this was kind of the last straw. Yeah. It's kind of like, I... I have properly fucked it now. Like, in, this this doesn't... People don't end up in comas, like, when people do their jobs. Like, I've, I mean, obviously there was that time I killed a cat. <laughs> but, but, but Chung, Chung, sorry, Chung Lee in a coma, it's beyond the pale. I, I've got to sort my job out. Inside the Shadow Law base... Ken is hooked up to a machine which is displaying his thoughts to Bison? Who uses psycho power to shatter Ken's psyche? I think? He's he's doing the bad thing to make Ken bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryu's climbing a sheer rock face. And he has some more memories of training with Ken. This time explaining yeah. how Ryu got his bandana. My brain in all my life has never switched on for any of this last act. No? No. Like, I tune out about the time the Vega fight's done. Yeah. And my brain just lets the rest wash over me. And that's never changed since I was a child. Well, Guile's vaguely, on his way. I know the, the basics. Yeah. Well, th- that's all that there is here, though, is yeah. basics. Yeah, true. Um, Guile's on his way to see him. Ryu, that is, climbing on this rock face. But Bison yeah, also Guile hears about it. And, uh, what did you say? I said Guile wouldn't be there that, s- that soon, would he? No, no. Uh, he, 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 uh, Bison hears about it, figures out that Guile can lead him to, to Ryu. Uh, so Bison's looking forward to putting Ken into this fight with Ryu against the warnings of his creepy scientist dude. The dungeon master. Yep. Sagat... Also asks for the chance to fight Ryu, uh, to, to, to regain his honor. Um, Bison puts him in his fucking place. <laughs> He's like, who the fuck do you think you are? I run this show. Yeah. Get over your petty revenge. I'm, I'm trying to rule the world here, asshole, basically. Um, and he orders him to, to New York to just go clean up the Camion Vega mess. Which is just, and, and we never, it's Sagat's, that's it for Sagat. Sagat yeah. never gets any satisfaction. We never see Sagat fight again. He's just gone. Yeah, like he doesn't even get to be like the warm up for the Ken fight. It's <sighs> just fuck off. <laughs> Poor bastard. Uh, so. Ryu is training on a, a mountaintop, and E Honda's there also for some reason. I guess Japanese fighters really are sticking together now. 
Yeah, yeah, he's been trying to get rid of him for like a week, but he's just following him. <laughs> Andy Harder came back the very next day. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, like, we think. He's climbing up rocks and shit to rescue Ken or what have you. That's coincidence. He was just trying to get away from me hungry. <laughs> uh, so Guile shows up, tells them about Ken's capture. For once, Guile gets there ahead of someone else. Finally. Uh, to tell them about Ken's capture and terrorist conversion therapy. Uh, Bison's jet arrives. And Ken gets off. The, the jet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bison taunts them. And an enraged Ryu tries to attack. But Ken intervenes. And does a little beat down on Ryu. So then E. Honda tries his attempt to attack. But just sort of blows right past him. He does that. Bison does that. Oh, I'm intangible thing. Yeah. And Ryu just sort of taps E. Honda on the shoulder. <laughs> or, or Ken. Ken taps him on the shoulder. He just goes flying past. And directly into Balrog. Uh, so everyone's, you know, getting paired off. Uh, Bison stands between Ryu and Ken and challenges Ryu and, 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 oh wait, no, I'm sorry, I skipped something. I did. Uh, what am I thinking? Where am I? Oh, right, right, yeah, so, Ihana gets thrown into Balrog. Bison challenges Guile, and, and everyone's in pairs doing the fighting at this point. You got your Ryu and Ken, your Guile and Bison, your, your Ihonda and, and, and Balrog. And uh, Balrog and Ihonda roll off a cliff. Bison eliminates Guile, or humiliates Guile in combat, and, and then again by turning his back on Guile instead of like taking him out, just leaves him to die. Like, like, like every overconfident villain, villain fucking ever. Um, in this case, he's actually right. Guile poses no fucking threat to M. Bison at all. No. On any no. level. Um, Good job getting revenge for you and Chung Lee, though. Yeah. Um, now, as Ryu and Ken are fighting, Ken keeps having these brief moments of recollection. And the incomplete programming that was performed on him seems to like be freaking him out. To the point where he retreats and starts crying like a little baby. And this disappoints Bison, who blasts him with pink energy and tosses Ken aside. So now it's Bison and, and Ryu, and, you know, Ken Ken's off hurt, and Ryu wants to go save him, Bison won't let him, so they're going to have to fight. And Ken keeps having more flashbacks, remembering Ryu's last day at the dojo, and, and, and so forth. Now Bison tries to, to offer to spare uh, Ryu, in exchange for servitude, Ryu declines, they do some more fighting, and, and then Ken snaps back to, to reality. Fuck you, emergency services. Let them die. Can't you see I'm recording a podcast here? Fuck's sake. Unprofessional. Unreal. You know, you'd, you'd expect these people to have some fucking consideration. So... Uh, he, he, Ken, his brain goes normal, but his legs don't work anymore because of the injuries sustained from the fighting. Yeah. And so he drags himself up the hill, sees the plane, remembers what just happened, vows revenge on Bison, and then falls down the hill again because his legs don't work. (laughs) 
So then he tries to martial arts his legs into working. I love well, again, this. It's it's the answer to all life's problems in this universe. <laughs> and it eventually works. Uh, so then Ken goes and joins Ryu to confront Bison, engaging in a lengthy battle that ends with the pair performing simultaneous simultaneous Hadoukens. 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 Which launch Ken, or launch Bison, sorry, into the jet, which explodes. And then E. Honda shows up as the wrap-up comic relief with an unconscious guile and Balrog over each shoulder. Uh, the... <laughs> I love that guile's unconscious. Yeah. The American military forces uh, destroy the Shadow Law base. Guile is driving again and gets an urgent call from the hospital. And it, it takes him a while to, like, connect the dots and realize that they're, does. they're calling about Chun-Li. <laughs> Well, let's 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 not forget. He probably has about ten partners that he's hospitalized <laughs> through ineptitude or inaction. Just by being late. Yeah. So <laughs> it could be any number of people who have had the misfortune to have guile watching their back. Uh, he drives like a maniac, returning to her room to find a body under a sheet crying he tells her that they got their revenge and she pulls the sheet off to do some goofy fucking anime shit not the time chun li it is Sorry, not Chung-Li. the time she and, and she is she's presented when in in these exchanges with guile she's presented in this playful manner like that she's taunting him that is so opposite the serious professional Thing that she's trying to convey mm-hmm. that I just I don't know what it's the a f- different character I don't know what the fuck they were thinking of um Ryu and Ken I think it's people who don't know how to write romance I guess is it romance I th- or is it I partnership mean, in like a gets. Turner and Hooch kind of way and fuck knows. and which one's Hooch <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, Ryu and Ken decide to part ways again with their score unsettled, saying they'll settle their score at a future score settling date. Ken's girlfriend Eliza picks up Ken and offers Ryu a ride, but uh, Ryu decides to wander in the opposite direction. Uh, And the credits start rolling. And, And at this point, I'm like, fuck me. Are they going to give me the entire credits... Because this this film is chock chock a block full of scenes that are extended entirely too long. Yeah. That just 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 sort of drag out for no good reason. I thought to myself, because they present this scene of the road, and the road has little hills, and he's going over the first little hill, and down, and, and he disappears from view. We're watching him from behind, and I thought to myself, I bet this fucking movie. It's going to show me all the credits. He's going to walk the entire length distance of this scene. I'm about to see his head poke up as he ascends the next little hill. Sure as fuck. 
there he is, continuing his stroll. And, uh, but suddenly, a semi just appears out of nowhere behind him. It's driven by Bison. And Ryu jumps to kick it. Jumps to kick the truck. <laughs> He's gonna use martial arts on the truck. <laughs> And a truck that M. Bison is driving because he's given up on cyborgs and martial arts and psycho power. He's like, just get me a fucking truck. I'm going to drive it and laugh. And we fade to black and credits. Uh, yeah. Which concludes with they... a... Huh? Hmm? Eh? Huh? I was going to say, just they had enough time for, like, five-minute shower scene... A big long walking scene, and M. Bison in a semi couldn't couldn't give Sagat anything to do. No, no, Sagat just gets treated like a little little bitch right at the beginning, and then that's that. That's that. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor I don't even know. You you don't even find get to find like we could have seen him dealing with Vega. Yeah. We could have seen him trying to break into Interpol to take out Cammy to assassinate Cammy. That would have been badass. A Cammy Sagat fight or something like that. Just fucking Sagat trouncing everybody in the Interpol offices to get to her? Because you know he's not going to be subtle. No, he's Sagat, God's sake. Oh, that would have been awesome. Not enough time. No. No. For a movie that has essentially 10 minutes of plot. <laughs> they didn't have time for that, but they needed to get as much walking in as they could. But that's Street Fighter 2, the, the animated movie. Yep. yep. The Misadventures of Guile. So Conrad, did you like Street Fighter 2, the animated movie, or not? Uh, it's completely and utterly disposable. I think that the animation's pretty good most of the way through. The fights mm. are entertaining to watch. And for a Street Fighter fan, I can totally see this being like the definitive Street Fighter, you know, transmedia a lot, a, item. Yeah. A lot, a lot would say it's the best. Yeah. Um, the, the best bit of extended media. Um, but I'm kind of the, on the same boat as you. It's, it's an incredibly competent film. Right. It does exactly what it needs to do with regards to giving fans what they want and delivering um, really engaging fight scenes. But the competence of it also means it's not that outstanding. It's, it's neither, you know, remarkably brilliant nor remarkably bad. And that's kind of, kind of worse than being bad. Yeah. The... Is to just kind of be there and watchable and not really have much else going for it. Yeah, the, the, the plot is ho-hum. There's a lot of scenes that drag out entirely too long, as we've mentioned. Um, the, the characterizations are fine for the most part. Yeah, and I appreciate that they, they tried to get in everyone. Yeah, they, um, they, they I mean, did. There's, even Arkham is in it. Like, yeah. you see him, like, like sat cross-legged against a wall. In for India. Like a second or two, uh, and and yeah, yeah, that's about it uh, for him. But but they try and get everyone in. Um, you know, T Hawks in there. Um, there's the Blanker and then the the um, uh, Zangief fight. So they they 
they give everyone a go, and they don't try and dress them up in some... They don't try and ground them or give them some unnecessary extra flavor. Nor Blanket do they try to force them all together, which I appreciate it. No, no they, they have their their fights. And, you know, some of the, the, the characters are there just to be part of the world building and part of the, the concept of... Part of building the concept of street fighting as it pertains to this universe. Yeah. Uh, and that's all well done. And, like, everything about the film, uh, aside from the, the, the glaring uh, time-wasting and padding, uh, everything that is designed as an actual movie scene and not filler is all really well done. Uh, no complaints, but also no major points of praise. Um, except, again, uh, for me, would be the the, uh, the Vega versus John Lee fight, uh, which I feel is consistently engaging, but is somewhat tempered by Guile's uh, insistence on being involved and just the the amount of time spent waiting to get to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think in terms of, of fights. Like, the, the Dalsim E. Honda fight is... Eh, it would have been interesting if Dalsim had had any further impact on the plot. Yes. Because it, it, it's a great establishing character moment for Dalsim who clearly has goals that are higher than this fight and the money and everything. But the story then follows E. Honda. Yeah. The guy who isn't concerned about the meta plot whatsoever. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And I'm trying to think. Fei Long was, was... That was fine. That was a good thing. And, and, and I like... Um, Again, all the fights, I think, were... All of them were good. Yeah, that was, that was a particularly well-animated fight, I thought. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I like Chun Li's assassination at the beginning. It was um, quick and brutal. Mm-hmm. I like the man getting shot with the machine gun, turning around to get him in the back as well. Uh, the 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 voice acting is <sighs> kind of not. It's not great. No, but nothing of very little of the era was. No, no. I mean, this was sort of early days for this thing. It was the you know. At least with regards to it getting localized. Um, from my experience living in the UK, I know it's different in the US, but. No, but I, yeah, I, that yeah. was about I mean, the same. Was, I mean. It was standard voice acting for the time. Yeah, I don't think the voice acting started to get really good until around the turn of the century uh, for the English voice actors. They, they'd finally yeah. settled into a good group of core people that were basically doing everything. Yeah, we saw the same in video games. You know, these days we have. Troy Baker and Nolan North. Yeah. 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 Sort of Liam O'Brien, Tara Strong. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get these sort of established coterie together. So, yeah, things weren't formalized and codified back then. And I kind of miss that a little bit just because the days of truly legendarily bad voice acting are kind of just relegated to the shit you find on Steam. Mm -hmm. Um, I miss the days with Dynasty Warriors having just impeccably awful kung fu voice acting. Um, nowadays they're all pretty competent and, and that it's not as f- it's better on paper it's better but it's not as fun uh, and and this was it, it, it with regards to the era it was it was competent it was solid you know you could easily envision better voice actors for almost every single character in the film mm-hmm. but you can also envision way way worse uh, and that's a really my feeling of the film overall is 
I can imagine this being so much better, but I can also imagine it being so much worse. As it stands, it, it just kind of sits in offensively around about the center. Yeah. Yep. That's about it. That's about it. Yeah, I don't that's, really have anything else it. to say about it. No, um, no. It, it, it was. This is the first time I watched it since I was a child. And yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, even as a child, that the final act never held my attention, as I said, but the, the whole film, aside from select action scenes, mm-hmm. uh, just, it's, it's, it's very much a watch that these days, I think, is, is better suited for the, you died in the Wall Street Fighter fan, who I'm sure can still get a lot more out of it than a more casual viewer such as myself. Yeah, this was my first experience watching it. Um, I had seen the Chun-Li fight before, just on a, a YouTube video or something. Yeah. Um, I was familiar. I, like when I, when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I've seen this sequence before. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't feel like I really wasted my time. As I, as, as I might, if I had chosen to watch this for, you know, reasons other than doing this podcast i'd have walked away from it feeling like yeah okay that was fine i yeah, yeah. Like it took up some time yeah i wouldn't be and i wouldn't feel as though i could have spent that time in a way uh that was so much better that i'm angry about having spent the time watching it it was fine i will never watch it again because i don't care but yeah um, i don't i think i think that's the last time i'll be watching it myself um again not out of distaste for the film just there's no need yeah that's it there's no need to watch it again what are we doing next time so next time we're going to be looking at max Payne. Ooh. we'll be doing the max Payne movie marky which mark was a real thing well marky mark himself it's gonna get funky uh, mark, mark Wahlberg stars as max Payne uh, in max Payne, a popular rock star video game so that's going to be a lot of fun. So, as always, you got two weeks to check that out if you are someone who likes to watch the film beforehand or along with, you know, whatever it is you'd like to do. Uh, that'll about do it, I think. Thank you for listening. As always, you can check out uh, more of our stuff. We do another podcast together, Fist Shark Marketing. That's fistshark.com. Uh, you can also follow Conrad on Twitter, at Conrad Zimmerman, and you know more or less what I do. Otherwise, I... You shouldn't be here. Uh, if, not, I mean that that wasn't meant to be exclusive. If, <laughs> if if you you're welcome. I just I'm confused why you'd be listening this long this long into it. That's weird to me. But whatever. Uh, you're very very welcome. Uh, we'll see you next time. I guess. Bye. Yeah. Bye.